0: Welcome, welcome, everybody, to a new episode of Perspective. And I feel like I need to just say the premise before and, like, warning. There's a chance we will get angry at some people.
1: A little bit, yeah. So, you know. You know, we can't always be nice and sweet and fluffy. Sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes we need to get that out also.
0: (laughs) Yes. So in this episode, we will do, I think, something that we never done, for sure. And we will start with an open letter that I wrote how many months ago? That's a good question. The end of January, I guess. Beginning of February. February. So it will be seven months ago. Wow. The time flies. Mm -hmm. And I think... While you'll hear the letter, you will know more or less why I wrote it. Also, just think of what was happening January, February in Europe in general. I think it will be quite clear for everybody. And uh, interesting uh, story about this letter. I wrote it. I had an idea about it out of anger. It was That's why premise, we might get angry out of anger what was happening and at first I was joking while talking with the past volunteers and then because I started joking about it my brain started thinking about it and I actually wrote it I finished it midnight (laughs) You really needed to go through I all that. Because my brain couldn't just shut up. Mm-hmm. And it was constantly thinking about it. So it was like, okay, I need to at least start doing this. But when I started, I couldn't finish. And while I was writing and trying to comprehend my thoughts, I was listening to, um, at that time, from new album uh, of Eminem revival, Like Home. It's much in the same premise and the same emotions as the letter. And here is the letter. Dear people, I am not a special person. I don't have economic power. I'm not a CEO. I'm not a politician. I am not highly educated, although that doesn't mean I'm not intelligent. What I am is a person who has future plans and fears and dreams. I'm the most people you are not going to meet. And it's okay. You can't meet everyone, there are 7.6 billion people on this earth, 741.4 million of them live in Europe. I am a human being, and so are you. The difference between us are not that many. The main one? You have a bigger voice than I do. You, the prime ministers, the mayors, the president, the senators, the secretaries of countries, you have a bigger voice than I do. Not because it's louder or because you are more important. Your voice is bigger because you choose to represent your people. You choose to be our voice so that we can be heard clearly. The problem is that you are not our voice anymore. You became your own voice with your own dreams and fears and future plans. We live in 21st century. We can fly to the moon and back. We can learn about anything that have happened in the past and we can predict the future. We can talk with anyone on this planet almost instantly. We can move to another hemisphere for our job. Yet, you are afraid to move forward with the way of thinking and acting that would fit the advancements that we've reached with every single step we took. You are choosing to go the easy way, to ignore problems or not solve them at all. You can see the fear in people because they may lose their jobs and you are exploiting it for your own purposes. You see the migration and you choose to say easily first. You see a new religion and you choose to say Poland first. You hear a different language and you choose to say Hungary first. You see problems and you choose to say we want out. Just because people are migrating doesn't mean that it's bad for your country. People were migrating since the dawn of the time. We don't need to be afraid of it. Instead, embrace it and work together to make it as smooth process as possible. Just because people of different religion came to your country doesn't mean it's bad. All religions are based on a message of peace and helping each other. You can learn a new culture. It doesn't mean to adopt it. It just means to know it, understand it, and then work together and live together in peace. Just because people don't know your language doesn't mean they're useless. They can still teach you a lot of things. Communication isn't just based on the speech. If you want to and you try to understand each other, you can do it without knowing their language. Just because you see a problem doesn't mean the first thing you have to do is get out. Look around. Think why that problem exists. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's somebody else. It's not important anymore. What is important to try to solve it together as one. European Union was founded on a pure basis of working together. Its main point was to connect individual countries without losing their identity. It worked in various forms for more than 50 years with its final form established in 1993. That is 25 years of working together as one family. We had our moments of triumphs and we had our moments of sadness. We would cry together and celebrate together. What kept us going and being stronger after every experience was the fact that we were together. As every family, even this one has its problems. Here's the secret. Avoiding the problem doesn't solve it. It's just postponed dealing with it and make it even bigger and more complicated. Every country in the European Union is recently shouting, Spain first, France first, first. I don't know if they all noticed, but all of them can be first. Someone will be disappointed. Someone will be second and third. That's how things work. European Union is a problem. European Union is wasting all of the money we give you. European Union is just rules and rules and rules. There are just few voices you can hear on every corner. I understand that every country or union has its foolish rules. Everybody does. The fact is that if there would not be an EU, we would not be able to accomplish anything. We would not be able to compete with United States or China or Russia in any economic factor. Separate, we are nothing. We are a tiny speck on a flower. We are a needle in the haystack. Alone, we are nothing. Literally and figuratively. European Union gives us the ability to be something. It gives voice to the voiceless. It gives possibilities to the ones that want to create. It gives opportunities to the willing ones. All the Erasmus Plus project alone gives so many opportunities to so many. To all politicians who are so eager to leave European Union, I want you to think where your country would be if working alone without EU This question is especially towards the one who shout the loudest about leaving European Union right now. Where your country would be without all of the benefits that membership of the EU gives you? Where will your people be if you will leave the EU? So can all of you people of power answer me this one seemingly simple question? Is your will and your picture the same as the people you're supposed to represent? with respect, me. Magda for president. (laughs) (laughs) No, never. (laughs) I understand. Yeah. If
1: I went into politics, I think I wouldn't survive 30 minutes. I mean, I
0: would survive probably because I'm pretty good at maneuvering between people, but I would be exhausted within a week. Mm -hmm. I would be burned out within a week.
1: Yeah, yeah. But it's true that like Magda, I remember, showed me this letter around the time she wrote it. And then she sent it to me a couple of months later. And it's amazing how still relevant this letter is. And um, it's amazing also and quite sad to see. For how long it's been relevant and uh, for how long before she wrote it, it would have been relevant if she had written it before. And um, I must say I agree on uh, on most of what she says in the sense that the only thing I don't think I agree on is this idea that maybe representatives don't represent. I will explain why my point of view further for instance there is a situation in italy right now where our minister for the domestic affairs let's say who belongs to a very um fascist i would call it a uh, party with very xenophobic views uh, very conservative very i mean fascist in all ways i would say very violent, and it's also its way of expressing itself. And uh, so our Minister of Domestic Affairs belongs to this party, and he wasn't voted by the majority of the population. He wasn't. He was voted by not even 20% of the population, which is still a good deal of people Uh, anyway. But still, less than 20%. It was around 18%. But the fact is that he is basically leading the government right now despite this numbers, despite the fact that he does not really represent a big majority of, or even just a majority of Italians. But in some way, maybe because I am a catastrophic person, I do believe he does represent the majority of Italians, in the sense that when I see how much consensus, how much agreement his uh, provocations are met with i feel that even if there hasn't been a majority of people who has voted for him i do feel that a majority of people actually do quite agree with him in some way and in general approve of his doings and uh, so there is this uh, expression in italian i don't know if it exists in uh, other languages and it says Everybody has the government they deserve. And in some way, except if it's a coup, he was elected kind of democratically, you know? So what I think is not really that the problem is politicians per se, because I think that politicians in themselves as representatives, as public figures, are just a symptom. For me, the problem is is all the people that agree with them.
0: That's true. But what I based while writing that part was um, the situation in Poland. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying again, like you, that the government does not represent some people, because, of course, you will find a group that will not follow, like they will... Make him or her as a king or queen because their values that that person is representing is what they want to be represented in the government. I'm not uh, denying that even a person with most outrageous and crazy and unbelievable convictions does not have a following. Sure, Mm -hmm. But uh, what happened uh, recently, I don't know how the numbers are right now because I haven't followed the topic in quite some time. But uh, at around that time, our government was strongly against, well, our government is still strongly against the European Union. And our lovely government was very happy when uh, UK did the Brexit. Yeah. And uh, the same, they were very happy about President Trump. So, you can get the idea yeah. what kind of mm-hmm. government we have right now. And there were few talks uh, from them about possibly leaving the European Union. The problem was that 80% of people didn't agree with them.
1: Wow. That's amazing. So That's really amazing. I'm not
0: saying, because there was still the 20%, around 20% sure. that agreed with them but, but it's the not the majority, majority because uh, our crazy government right now is doing exactly everything opposite what european union wants <laughs> and it's not like the european one, uh, union wants oh like close all the shops or don't do this don't do that no it's it's normal things yeah. <laughs> like have a normal democratic government <laughs> and apparently that is a problem <laughs> So, when, <laughs> mm. uh, for example, um, at the beginning of July, we got a letter from uh, European Union because of <laughs> what our government did. Um, there was a question, is our government democratic still? Yeah. Because there were so many changes in uh, the judges and the Supreme Court and everything, even the Constitution, that there was a question, is this... Legal in the sense if this is still a democratic republic, like we are in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And the European Union sent a letter like this is our final notice. If you will not um, comply to what we kindly ask you, you will have a case in court. And I don't know exactly what happened because I didn't follow it because, frankly, I was just too tired to (laughs) deal with it. It's exhausting at some point, Um, yeah. But um, from what I gathered, that Poland wanted to fight against it. (laughs) Amazing. And you know the funny thing is,
1: funny or tragic, whatever, call it like you want, is that normally this kind of countries that are seeking to leave uh, the European Union, such as Hungary, for instance, are countries that benefit so much from the funds the European Union give them that a large part of their economic growth can be said to be thanks to the European funds.
0: Poland is I mean, a f- first country whenever you have a chart of how much money the country got from European Union Poland is first there's millions of millions euro later there's another country so if Poland will get out we have so many NGOs that exist just because of European yeah, Union yeah. we have so many new roads so many new buildings so many new things like i remember i remember when we were voting to join the European Union I was not, I will not say that I was stupid, but I was not uh, maybe informed informed that much about what actually it means. For me, I remember uh, because my grandma said it to me I'm not voting for myself, because for me it doesn't matter. I'm voting for you, youth. It means my family, like my parents and me, because it's for you. It's your future, not mine anymore. And for me, What I understood is is that we are going to have open borders. That was the the main. And I remember still crossing the border to Slovakia and having a stamp. Of course. We we had to be checked. And it was not like, oh, okay, you match your picture. Here's the stamp, go. It was you were waiting on the border. So... And even, you know, if you
1: wanted to work abroad oh my oh it my. was a problem if you wanted to study abroad it was a problem Erasmus exchanges didn't exist so I think that I mean I will share with you <laughs> this very embarrassing and somehow but very revealing uh, episode that happened uh, on the day the results of the brexit referendum in the UK uh, were released so it was uh, summer I remember and I was living in Turin and I, that year was kind of, I don't want to swear <laughs> um, here, but I mean, you. it was not good politics-wise because it was the year of the Brexit, was the year of the Orlando shootings, uh, and it was the year of the election of Trump, of course. So, not a good year for humanity mm, in general. No, at all. No. And uh, I remember the day the results came in. I called my mom, I mean, a grown adult, I called my mom, and I started sobbing. And I asked her, mom, why is this happening? Why? Why? Why is this happening? I don't understand. Why are people choosing to be so mean to each other? Why? Maybe it's because I belong to a very, very lucky generation. I was a kid, I really at the end of the 19s, beginning of the 2000s. So that was the golden moment when uh, everywhere in the world, it seemed that progressive thinking was a certain thing.
0: Yeah, like it kind of yeah. started. It was
1: kind of obvious that the world, humanity, would never, ever become what it was during the Second World War again. We were over it. We were past it. We were building a better future. Yes, I We were I focusing agree. on on togetherness. We were focusing on projects that would bring people together, closer together. Therefore, the euro, the euro came by in Italy, and I remember that. And um, the European, U- European Union, all these governments that were being elected in Europe, on the left side or in general for, of progressive ideas, there was this giving for granted that the future would be brighter, that in the future, politics-wise, we would all make an effort to go towards a brighter future, okay? That we would never allow ourselves to go back to that meanness again. So for me, it was absolutely shocking what happened in the UK.
0: When uh, I forgot about the referendum, Meaning, I remembered that it's going to happen, but I was on my vacation at that point between uh, two semesters. And I remember it was 26th of June. I remember the date exactly. And I got up. I remembered about it two days past. And I was like, oh, in two days, there will be the results. And in the two days, I kind of just forgot about it because also I don't have a TV, so... Um, We are not watching the TV, so the only news I have is the news that I actually read. And it was around 9 or 10, I think, in the morning when I saw the date on my computer and I thought, today was the election, the the Brexit, uh, the referendum at that time. It was not a Brexit yet. And I... uh, Open, I have, um, if I want to watch some news in English on TV, I will put on the Sky News from UK. Uh, They have a live stream on YouTube, 24 hours. And I open it, it was just before the top of the hour, so they were talking about the results. They were talking about the referendum in general because everybody was so shocked. And they were still counting the results because they can vote until... Midnight, so of course, 9 a.m. is still quite early, but it was already new that uh, they voted out. And I was just sitting in front of my computer watching the news, and I was not believing what I hear. And I was just standing there, well, standing, sitting there, kind of numb. And it's like, but what? Exactly. And I was. At some point, I took my mom's laptop um, and put it next to me so I can have on her laptop the news and here just like reading and doing other stuff. And I couldn't with every hour. I think I watched three hours of news that day, just constantly watching news. And my mom was sitting next to me and she was asking every moment, like, oh, what they're talking about because she doesn't speak English. And I I, I was just standing there and I was like... Um, Yeah, completely dumbfounded. Yeah. And I couldn't believe what is happening. I think it took me a good month to realize what is actually happening when they started talking about, okay, so what does that mean for UK? And I was so angry at people when they were starting doing interviews. With just random people. And they said like, oh, we voted out because we've never thought that they will actually do it. And I was like, <laughs> are you completely out of your mind? How can you be yeah. so stupid? Yeah.
1: And I think that for me, really, this the thing that really hurt me so much was to realize that a thought like the one your grandma had. I'm doing this for you because it's your future. I'm doing this not for me, but for us, for you young people to give you a better opportunity
0: was completely gone. I mean, I mean, this is my grandma who is very, very conservative, but still your future is your future. (laughs) Exactly. And I will make an example
1: that doesn't really have to. I mean, it has to do with politics in kind of indirectly. So since I have studied the humanities, I'm very interested to what extent politics influences education, public education especially. And there is one thing that I noticed about English um, education and French education. If you go to a high school in England, UK in general, and France, in the literature class, you're only going to study French authors in France, English authors in England. That's it. You will never hear about authors that were important for the world literature, or maybe you won't have time to tackle world literature for European literature. And I remember in university in France, in university, okay, at one of the top universities in the world, at a humanities department, There was a French guy who didn't know who Tolstoy was because he never studied him in school. So I think that when you grow up never being exposed to the reality that is that you are not alone in the world, when you're not exposed to the reality that your wealth, cultural, economic, health-wise, whatever – depends also on what is around you what surrounds you literature wise french literature would never be what it is if it wasn't for the influences it received from the rest of europe especially but also from the united states from africa and so on and so forth because you know colonialism you know but they don't study those authors so they are never exposed to the idea that maybe maybe they depend for their existence on the influence of others. And the moment you start being convinced of that, then you start being convinced that whatever you do, there will be no consequences for anybody else but yourself, which is not true, of course. But it's not only not true when it comes to other country, because, I mean, it's not just the English guy voting to leave the EU who is harming the family in Northern Ireland, because if you vote to leave, those guys are going to struggle. I mean, those guys have been in a civil war for 30 years. And the basis of the peace between Northern Ireland is and open Ireland border was open border. So I'm not saying that you should be able, although you should, to make the mental step to understand that your vote is going to have an influence also on people living in your own country but in a different part. It's also the inability. You should you should be able to make the mental step to understand that your vote is going to harm your nephews, your nieces, your your own you Sometimes know? your friends who are immigrants. Exactly. How? How can you not understand that we're all interrelated? How? And that is the problem of toxic
0: politics. I have uh, coming to education. There is quite particular, (coughs) I don't even know how to call it, um, event that is stretching for good 30 years in Poland. So... As you may or may not know, we had a very um, difficult history after Second World War. Generally, the wars were not easy on us. Even before that. Even before that. Yeah, we have some problems. But uh, particularly after the Second World War, when we were influenced by the Soviet uh, Russia uh, at the time, we couldn't learn in school about certain things. And now, so right now the system is a little bit different. I don't know exactly how that works, but the system that I went through and also 20 years of students went through. You are, first you have the primary school. So the first three years you are under one teacher who's teaching you how to write, how to read, basic stuff. And then you are going to the grade four to six and these are the grades similar to the high school. So you have separate Polish language, separate English language, separate math, uh, separate um, nature as in general, all like science, science-y stuff sciences. Um And you have history. And this is what we are going to focus on. So through the grades four and six, you are continuing the history, meaning in the fourth grade, you are starting with ancient Greece, ancient Rome, and going through slowly through the three years until technically the present times. And I'm using quotation because <laughs> I stopped the present times before the First World War. We couldn't manage to even touch the First World War. Wow. Then you're going to the secondary school. You have three years. So, the grades one to three, we start the numbers every time from the beginning. And the same, you have subjects like in high school, everything is separate. And again, you have history. And this time, again, you are starting from the ancient Rome in the great first grade. And you're going through the ancient Rome and ancient Greece and Middle Ages and Dark Ages and all things. If you're lucky, you are kind of touch the First World War and start Second World War. Then you're going to high school. Again, three years. Again, history classes. You start in ancient Greece, ancient Rome, and you're progressing slowly. And in high school, because I was not a major for history, I only had two years because our high school would kind of manage the classes from the last year when you have the big test. You don't have so many subjects to study. So I had history only for two years. So I finished my history education seven years ago at this point, six. And again, you are starting from ancient Rome, ancient Greece, and going through the ages. I did not start at the wars. Wow. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we did uh, Second World War. We did in two classes. Can you imagine the whole war, Second World War, two lessons, 45 minutes each? Do you think that my generation, if they're not lucky to have a great teacher who is, I don't know, a magician or a time lord with a TARDIS, that's a Doctor Who joke for who yeah. those who don't understand, you're not able to cover The majority of a 100 years, almost, right now, it's 100 years of a history. Exactly. So how can the youth my age and actually the youth who is around 30-ish years old until the youth that is right now around 16, 17 years old. So it's 20 years of people. It's a whole generation. If they did not take the extra step, or they majored in history, so meaning they have more lessons in history in high school, but just in high school because you can only choose that in high school, they will not know what happened after Second World War. They will not know about Solidarność movement who granted us the freedom that we have now. They don't know the history before, and they are making the same mistakes right now. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> how is that possible? Yeah, that's the.
1: I mean, how? I mean, it's already hard to understand the historical realities you are living in because, of course, it's your reality. So you don't have the right critical distance to really understand what's happening. But if, on top of that, you don't even have the instruments to learn from your past. What the hell is going to happen? Uh, this. <laughs> of course. I mean, what do you think is going to happen?
0: It's just going to happen exactly as it happened before. The so government will tell you that we are under attack of European yeah. Union and we need to gain our independence back. And this is the quotation, the direct quotation of currently our government. Yeah.
1: But it's the same in Italy, it's the same in France, it's the same, it was the same in the UK before they actually voted to leave. And And now they have a problem of of how to leave. (laughs) Of course, of course. And really, for me, this idea that people are getting manipulated so much and so deeply by institutions that care only... For themselves, but not even because honestly, how can an institution like a government survive if you're planting the basis for havoc? I mean, really, in the end, just this idea that people are advocating for division instead of unity, it just breaks my heart. Really, because I understand it's hard to work with each other and I understand that the European Union is not a perfect institution. There are a lot of problems.
0: We are human. Sure.
1: But it's so funny because our dear Minister of Domestic Affairs that is complaining so much because the European Union will not allot uh, as many migrants coming to the shores of Italy to the other uh, European countries fairly, was not present as a European deputy to the 22 meetings in the European Parliament where they discussed The rules of the Dublin Agreement. (laughs) So, he was not present when they talked about this. Because, apparently, the aim is not to solve the problem. It's just to To complain. Not just to complain, but to make people hate each other. That's the, the point. That's the point. If in order to get more votes, I need to fire this fear that people have of each other then I will do it. I have no hesitation as a politician. This is basically what our Minister of the Domestic Affairs is doing and all his followers, of course. I mean, I'm not saying that he is the only one responsible for this because before him there was, quote-unquote, a leftist government, but unfortunately our former Prime Minister was basically a copy of Berlusconi. So he did so many shitty things, really. And I'm sorry I'm swearing, but it's true. That basically people stopped trusting the left. The left, everywhere in its history, has always been suicidal. I have never understood this. But so the responsibility is not only of populists, it's also of the lefts in Europe that have left this happen because they they wanted more votes and so they tried to be more on the right but if you're the left and you want to be more the right people on the left will not vote for you anymore <laughs> so you know it's and for me really the worst part is that after the elections in Italy for instance there have been so many incidents of people that were shot or killed or beaten up just because they were black In the streets. I'm not talking about police attacks. I'm talking about normal people, quote unquote. There was this one guy who shot a baby, a gypsy baby who was two years old. And when they told him, are you upset that this happened? I mean, she didn't die, but I mean, but you shot a kid. are Are, Are you embarrassed or in any way ashamed of your act? He said, no, because... This is a baby, but this baby will become an adult one day and they will come and steal in my house. So when this kind of reasonings become legitimate, because this is the problem of fascism, okay? So in a normal situation, people have all sorts of animal instincts, okay? Fear is natural. mm? So, okay, you can have fear, you can be afraid, But in a normal situation, you would also have your superego, as uh, Sigmund Freud would say, that tells you to try to, you know, try to live with each other a little in a civil environment. Fascism, what does fascism do? It legitimates your animal instincts. It says, you are afraid. And you want to kill this person or you want to hurt this person physically in any way you want. And I, fascism, I tell you that you are right. That you should do this. And the problem is that in Italy right now, we are at that point where people are not even ashamed anymore of their racism. They're not even ashamed anymore. This guy shot a baby and he wasn't ashamed. Can you... I cannot
0: comprehend any, any of
1: this. Do no. how realize how how degenerate the situation is already. And I must say that in general, or at least this is my interpretation of the facts in Italy, Italians, in my opinion, are cowards. So what does this mean? They probably will not be heroes in the sense that when they are called to do the right thing, they probably will not do it. But also it means that... If they are called to do something really, really, really bad, probably they will not do it either because they're cowards, which
0: on one side side is is not so
1: bad. You know, I mean, I prefer you not doing anything rather than killing somebody. Okay.
0: yeah, that's true. So I'm very interested in what the situation will be in Poland, because I noticed I need to Google this more. Um, On 21st of October, we will have some kind of election. I need to Google what this election is. (laughs) Halloween, the day the monsters come out. So be aware. (laughs) And also uh, on 11th of November, we have Independence Day, which is uh, interesting to observe because last year, and I'm not joking. This is an actual situation in Warsaw, as usual. Because this is after we gain our independence, after not being on the map for 223 years. It was a big thing for us. (laughs) So, of course, every year in Poland, this is a national holiday. Everything is on shutdown. And there are masses and churches and parades on the streets to celebrate our independence. I have nothing against that. It truly was a big moment for us. Now, last year... Usually what I do while I'm outside, and also when I'm in Poland, I would just Google Poland in English, Poland into Google search and see what kind of news are popping up. This was after the Independence Day, and I cannot find anything else than the coverage of the Independence Day. Every major news station on the world is talking about our Independence Day. And I saw the picture and I was like, oh dear. (laughs) Oh dear! (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm seeing when you said "Oh dear," I thought about Winnie the Pooh saying "Oh bother." (laughs) Yeah, 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 kind of. So, what happened last year was there was a big protest in Warsaw because the capital city. Of course, we have um, a grave of unnamed soldier when there's all the celebrations are going, and there was a protest on Independence Day. And there were people going through the city, carrying um, flags and signs and whatnot. Holocaust to Islam. The red blood, pure blood. And so on and so forth. Sounds like a scene from Harry Potter, you know? What I When I read this article, I was... And I'm not joking. I was almost screaming to my laptop. Like, you are the country who survived... Auschwitz. You're the country who barely survived what Germany was doing to you. And you are saying openly throughout the capital city, where of course every news will cover it, Holocaust to anything. I was, I was furious at the pictures I saw on my laptop. And I cannot believe that people would do something like this. And actually, I was talking with my friend. She said that uh, her friend came to Warsaw, just he was traveling and he got off in the uh, main uh, bus station and he saw the protest and he wanted (laughs) to turn around. My God. What he saw because he didn't, he forgot, he didn't know. I mean, it's a Polish. Uh, celebration, so not every country will know that you have something like this. And he got off in the main city of Warsaw, and he didn't know. Like he called her, like, "Are you sure I'm in Warsaw?" <laughs> because oh my god, it's and horrible. apparently the um, the protest was so big that people were first of all fleeing the center of Warsaw, and the counter protest was like two thousand people. Wow, and I'm like. What is happening with this country? You know, I must say that
1: in Italy, and this makes me really proud, is that contrary to Hungary, for example, there is a very, very deep anti-fascist soul. Um, So it might not be the majority of the population, but there is a big number of people that really believe that fascism is wrong and uh, there have been occasions where this anti-fascist soul expressed itself in very beautiful manners and i'm very very proud of these people because they stay in a country that is very flawed and they do what they can to fight against against the most ugly brutality human beings are capable of. And, you know, I was discussing this with my mom recently because she went to Iran, which is a very different country from all of the ones we've been talking about. And one thing she noticed and one thing she thought was a positive thing was the patriotism of Iranian people in the sense that she noticed that there were a lot of Iranian flags all around. And she also noticed that on big billboards she could see there were the faces and the names of the victims of the war with Iraq. Of course, there weren't billboards with the victims of the revolution, of course. Only the wars against the United States. But that's another, another for another podcast maybe, the incoherence of governments and politics. And But let's not talk about that. And I was telling her, you know, when you talk about patriotism, I mean, I am Italian. So the Italian flag, I cannot associate it to a moment of unison, of unity of the Italian people. The unification of Italy was brought about because of basically a colonial enterprise. There was the kingdom of Savoia, who basically they started, they they told themselves, let's unite Italy. So basically, let's render it, the kingdom of Savoia, like, bigger, okay? So it was just a colonial attempt in the end. And it didn't take account of the differences between south and north, which remain very, very stark today, of course. So in more than 150 years, we haven't solved that problem. And also the Italian flag was always something that I associate with people holding it up against something or against somebody. The Italian flag was against the whole world during fascism, during the regime of Mussolini. The partisans, the resistance during um, the resistance of the fascist uh, regime They certainly weren't flagging the Italian flag. They had the communist flag, the socialist flag, the Catholic flag, whatever. They certainly didn't have the Italian flag. And even just before the election in the elections in March, there was an, um, an attack by this guy in Marke. He started just shooting randomly to black people. What did he wear on his neck? An Italian flag course and even now against all these these shipwrecked people coming to the shores of Italy what do you think that the people against them are holding on their hands the Italian flag so I really don't believe that nationalism can be a force for good a force for unity but why that's because I'm Italian if I were German I would feel the same if I were Iranian probably I would feel differently but the thing is that You need to understand that symbols are important and especially symbols of division are important. And I feel that right now we are stressing very much this desire for separation, for division, for hatred. That, I don't know, personally, I don't think is going to take us anywhere positive.
0: Oh, for sure not. But you mentioned the flag and I started thinking because when I was a kid... And this is how quickly it around. So when I was the, the 10 years old, um, the flag was, I think, and I'll say it again, like I said in the pre- previous podcast, I was a weird kid. <laughs> <laughs> I never had this feeling for um, our symbols, our Polish symbols. I knew that there are what they mean. I knew the history behind them, but... I never had the personal connection with them. So when I see the flag, I recognize it as a flag and pretty much nothing else. But I knew that the Polish flag was very important and people were actually hiding the Polish flag after the Second World War. So I knew when I was a kid, that flag meant a lot. That flag meant the sacrifice, the fight for the country. So it was a good symbol. Mm-hmm. Right now, when people are using the flag, as you say, against all of this, that flag lost any kind of good yeah. meaning for me. Yeah, And this is scary because I'm not an old person. I'm 24. And during my life, a symbol, a national symbol lost any kind of meaning to me. Yeah, It's horrible. And you see,
1: it's all a matter of... Perception of reality, first of all, and therefore of who represents us, you know. And again, I really believe that in some way everybody has the government they deserve. But it's also true that
0: there are the few people who don't.
1: Yeah, yeah. And all I want to say is that it's really, it gives me a special kind of feeling of tenderness when I see... These demonstrations against, I don't know, for instance, recently there was a demonstration in Milan because Orban went to see our dear minister of the domestic oh, affairs. Oh, yeah, the best friends. Yeah. There was this big demonstration and there were a lot of people, thousands of people. And um, a lot of different realities, you know, migrants, Italians, old people, young people. And when I saw the pictures, I was like, oh, you make me so proud on the one hand, and on the other hand, thank goodness that you are still here. Because if there wasn't this kind of opposition, even small opposition, I think we would be doomed.
0: Yeah, I think that the, the opposition is essentially saving our ass. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: And even just being angry, honestly, like you was, you were when you wrote the dear politicians letter. At least it makes something clear for ourselves that we don't adhere to this. We don't agree.
0: Yeah, but something that is scary for me, two reasons. So my friend in my city, she is not from Poland. And it's very visible, if you look at her, that she's not from Europe. And we were talking once when uh, last year, just uh, right after I left, there was... Week after week, it was just news after news. And I, I thought that I will not come to any kind of country at that point. And I was talking with her. She was like, yeah, I, I see what is happening. She read the news as well. She is reading the news. And she thought something that I never thought I would hear. I wonder how long I can stay in here. So this is the one side Of all of this. The other side of all of this is I'm not particularly keen on staying in my country because of what is happening. Granted, being in a country that doesn't mean that you see everything that is happening because, of course, course there are certain things that are just happening in Warsaw and in Krakow, over the seas or in the mountains or somewhere. It's just a point on the map, it's not a country wide phenomenon. But if you see those things and you, if you hear those things and we had at the point we had protests against the government and everybody was gathering uh, next to the courthouses and all of the things and it's like, why? Why we have to do this? Why is there a point where we need to protest for democracy? So at this point you're kind of just like maybe i will be better off somewhere else and you actually start to look for another places to go and this is scary because i can guarantee you that i'm not the only one of course so what if the majority who is angry at the government who is angry at what is happening will just leave what will happen then <laughs> yeah
1: well that's what hap- what's happening in hungary for instance and in italy
0: too i think it's happening everywhere yeah is now is the question, okay, what else? What next? Because, frankly, I'm still having a second thoughts on how, because I know we will have the general election also soon because the election that was, that elected this beautiful, beautiful government um, was when I was in Portugal. So that was two, three years ago. So I know we are getting closer to the, the general election. But looking at the state of the country right now, I don't know what will happen. I cannot guarantee you that we will go the opposite side. I cannot guarantee you that we will not have the second Italy. (laughs) I really don't know
1: because I don't see this crisis as being handled in any constructive way. Now, I only see very, very negative reactions to these people coming to Europe in general because it all started from there, of course. Yeah, I don't see any constructive reactions. The European Union is absolutely useless. They are not deciding anything. But, of course, if you have to make so many people agree... It's hard. It's hard. So... I, on, right now, I don't see a solution on the institutional side. I see very active and very heartfelt realities at the grassroots level. Yes, I do. There are a lot of people who are working their asses off in order to create a more peaceful world, but definitely not at the high politics level. No. Not for now. No.
0: So, unfortunately, with that thought, so
1: no. maybe some of you listening for, like, will want to become one of those. If you do, please do. Please do it quickly.
0: <laughs> and um, we're waiting. I will not end this podcast until we will think of something good. The good thing that is also happening is the good people that are actually yes. trying to do something. Yes, They are amazing
1: and um, they are what makes humanity humanity still
0: (laughs) yeah so this is the good part we we are very grateful for the people for the NGOs that are actually trying to construct a humanity in all of that madness Um, but yeah that hold on guys okay hold Hold on on. we're with you (laughs) And do your job, please, because we don't know what is going to happen otherwise. And with that, we will finish this uh, very heavy uh, episode. We do apologize, but <laughs> sometimes
1: it happens. We need to
0: throw that away, too, you know, to, yeah, you know, vent that, too. We will uh, try to make a next episode uh, more light-hearted cheerful. and <laughs> cheerful, so we will now try to figure something out because today I don't think it is going to be possible. No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. But uh, if you want to join to the conversation, you can find us on our Facebook page. Um, if you have anything to say, but please be constructive and nice um, about the topic. Feel free to leave a comment. If you want to write to us, we have our email. Our at gmail.com. We welcome any thoughts and questions and whatever. But again, be stream nice. of consciousness, whatever Exactly. You want, really. Be nice, be humane because that's what we are trying to achieve in this podcast. And with that, we will welcome you to next podcast Friday, 10 a.m as usual. And thank you so much for staying
1: with us, really.
0: And see you next time.